The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast, and we're also syndicated on other radio networks, Body Mind Spirit Radio, WTRM The Trim Radio Network, Transformation Talk Radio, home of the Dr. Pat Show, and Oneness Talk Radio. Today we're going to be joined, I'm very pleased to say, by two excellent guests. We've got Deborah Littleboy, who's had many experiences, and she will be sharing her moment of truth. And Vivian Gibson's returning to the show to lead us in our practice. And of course, we're always joined by the producer of the show, and I'm glad we are because the show wouldn't happen without our producer, and that, of course, is Darren Ball, who has comments from you and questions from you. I don't know what they're going to be, but we do thank you for the many comments we're receiving from each show. It's really, really appreciated. And so today we're going to carry on down. We're mining that vein of gold, you might say, uh, from this incredible statement in The Seventh Freedom. We've been doing it on two shows and we're doing this will be the last show where we're just going to focus in on this. I do remember actually a quote from Saint Guling, the ascended master who introduced each of the freedoms. And he said, truth, like a vein of silver, is where you find it. I may not have that verbatim, but it was something along those lines. And it's we're definitely finding that. I hope you agree with this particular quote, which Dr. King himself described as staggering, historic completely changing the ancient wisdom. It amazed him when he first heard it, and I do mean heard it. That was after he received the transmission, of course, because he hadn't have a a recall of a transmission, conscious recall, so he had to listen to it himself, and he was staggered by this. And this statement, just to remind you, comes from the seventh freedom, interplanetary existence, and it's, this is the secret of creation, It is the secret of preservation. It is the secret of transmutation. And that is the key change from transmigration to transmutation. And as I said last time, and it may have been a little bit, uh, I don't know, inappropriate, I hope not. uh, I said, we're really putting that old approach of transmigration into the metaphysical shredder. And we're going into a completely new approach which is in line with those on other worlds and we have not been in line with the path followed by those on other worlds with our older approach which was permitted it was allowed it was taught and I'm giving my take on this Uh, please take this as an opinion only this is the way I see it it was allowed by the powers that be because of the self, I would say selfishness, the self-interest, shall we say, of terrestrial people. And we had to be motivated by this promise of our own enlightenment, our own uh, freedom, if you like, our own nirvana, if you like, our own amalgamation as individuals. 
with the totality of Brahma or God or whatever you wish to call it, the great universal force behind all creation. And that was taught and that was permitted and that was a path that I would say millions of people with greater or lesser success used to tread and were allowed to tread. But now that's gone. That's in the metaphysical shredder. That's not allowed anymore. At least you can try it, but it'll only take you so far because it was never completely right. It was allowed and it worked. And there are some outstanding uh, great intelligences, of course, who went all the way to ascension using that road. But of course, along that road, they would also discover the higher truths and become aware of the totality of the cosmos and they would move beyond it. But nevertheless, that was the path that was trod. Now we're in line, and I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's a liberating thing. I think it's a great freedom, actually, that we are now, in a small way, in a limited way, following the same path as trod by the great ones on other worlds. We don't have to be pandered to, again, my words, my take, with this carrot of, uh, you you know, you can do this for yourselves, you can individually advance. Now we we know, as we covered last time, it's collective evolution. It's no longer individual evolution. And that's why service has to be the greatest. And anyone in the past who said it wasn't the greatest was actually wrong. It's got to be because we're part of a collective whole. We can't even evolve. And we heard Dr. King say this extraordinary, outstanding statement that not even a galaxy, and I quote him, you must go back to the source as part of a collective principle. In other words, it infers this, you can't even go back as a Buddha. And a Buddha is nothing in comparison with a planet. You can't even go back as a planet because you haven't transmuted matter. Again, it's obvious, says Dr. King. You can't even go back as a sun because you still haven't transmuted matter. You can't even go back as a galaxy because you still haven't transmuted matter. You're still existing. So you have to be something greater than a galaxy, greater than a lord of creation before you can go back. And that's what this means. That's why, to me, it's so staggering, said Dr. King. It is an enormous topic, this. That's why we're dwelling on it. And as I say, hopefully mining this vein of silver or gold and really bringing forth numerous revelations. And today, this is the last show we're going to focus just on this one amazing seminal quotation uh, from which I personally believe all the other great changes in New Age thought can uh, be seen. They all come under this big change from transmigration, I believe, to transmutation. And we're going to look at another massive, massive aspect of that. The Hindu saint, uh, Sri Ramakrishna said, and I quote, if diving once does not bring you pearls, you need not therefore conclude that the sea is without them. Dive again and again, you're sure to be rewarded in the end. And on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we dive into the sea. Our sea is the nine freedoms. And I hope you'll agree we're finding pearl after pearl as we do so. Uh, And in the last two shows, as I say, we've been diving into a particular stretch of that sea, which is this quote about transmutation. 
And I really do think it alters our whole approach to life, what we have to do, how we go about it. And I think it alters it in a very positive way. Because if you look, for example, at the 12 blessings, as I know many of our listeners do, some of you may not have even heard of the 12 blessings. And if not, I do recommend a website, 12blessings.org. And you'll see there what this is and even how to join in and practice this online. Uh, But I think you start to see, if you do know that book, it's got a sadness within it. And rightly so. There is sad aspects to what's happened to the Mother Earth, what's happened to the avatars who've come, the, the planetary ones, what's happened, the sacrifice being made by the galaxy. But when you look at this teaching, you also see something else. You see a logic to it. You see a reason for it. You see greatness in it. You can see why it would be that a great intelligence would know that the only way to evolve is to evolve all life, not just their own individual being, even if that being is a very galaxy or even a very sun. Even they devote themselves in service to all matter and all thought. And of course, that's the reason why, because they know this concept of transmutation. So today, we're going to listen to another aspect, the last aspect we're going to focus on, and it's a gigantic aspect of this teaching of transmutation. And we're this time going to hear an extract from Dr. King speaking in Detroit in 1962, again about this statement in the seventh freedom. So, Darren, would you please play that extract for us? Note the steps you have to take. What are you gradually doing? You're not only getting freedom, that's only a part of it, but what are you really doing? You are really evolving the whole of you. Cosmic consciousness is the whole evolvement of the mentality. Ascension, the next step is not only the evolvement of the mentality, but the physical body as well. That is the point. You have to take that along as well. Sooner or later. In other words, we are directly responsible for every essence of energy we use because it does not belong to us. We have borrowed it from the sun, actually, because we're all solidified sunlight. We have borrowed this energy and it will be transmuted by us. Ascension is control over mental forces and matter or energy in a state of materialism. It wouldn't do for us to be born on another planet until we had this control. We would be lost, absolutely and completely. We would be like a child of four suddenly being put in a, in a place like a Caltech. The child would be completely lost among the professors and the scientists in that place. Unless it was a bright child, and then to probably teach them something. However, normally, 
we might say for the want of argument that it would be lost, just as we would be lost if we were born on Mars, unless we had the power to split up our arm, our whole body, our head, brains, blood, lymph, everything, and rebuild it again consciously. Creation, preservation, transmutation. And, by the way, my friends, this can be applied not only to this present earth, but to every other earth as well. Wow. So we have a whole explanation there uh, of transmuting matter. Not going off, leaving it, transmigrating from it, leave it unresolved uh, somewhere, uh, just going off into some kind of nirvana and amalgamating with God. Not that. We have to transmute it. And, of course, there's a reference there to ascended masters, all of whom, by the time they reach ascension at least, will, even if they've trod the, in the old days the path of transmigration, as I, I imagine most of them would have done to one degree or another, I don't know that, but certainly a lot of them would have done. At that stage, though, they have this ability, they understand transmutation completely, and they're able to transmute even their physical bodies into an ascended body, and they need that ability then, because some of them, of course, will go on to other worlds. And as Dr. King says, they would be completely lost there without this ability. What I'd like to stress here, that this isn't theory. If it was theory, we wouldn't really be even be discussing it, because on this show, we're not interested in academic discussions and kind of mental gymnastics. It's a show about living, practical teachings, which we can use in our everyday life. And that's true of everything, I believe, actually, in the nine freedoms, if we look at it, even... The higher freedoms, you might think, well, the eighth freedom, Saturnian existence, that doesn't relate to me. That is telling us where we can get to one day, but it doesn't relate to me now. But I think we can find a way that we can even try in some tiny way to apply the principles of those teachings. Now, I don't think we'd have been given them just as a, a, a something to look forward to. I mean, is that? It's inspiring. I think they've been given to us also to use. Uh, in a different way, but in the same principle that the 12 blessings can be used. Uh, so it's here to be applied. And in this extract, Dr. King brings up another gigantic aspect of this change to transmutation, and that's this. All energy exists on multiple frequencies throughout the universe, and it has to be risen up through those frequencies as all life evolves back to its divine source. And he makes this very important point, of course, about ascension, which is where we're all heading. By the way, in the sixth freedom, Mars Sector 6 describes ascension as, and I quote, the ladder which terrestrial man can use to climb from the pit of terrestrial rebirth so that he may then, unhampered, begin to climb the mountain of transmigration. So even in the sixth freedom, you have reference to that old teaching and then it's changed in the seventh, and we can now apply a different approach. But the, as an ascended master, as I said, they would have that ability, and Dr. King explained that ability, in transmuting a body which had reincarnated prior to their ascension into a body which doesn't need to age for possibly thousands of years and certainly 
doesn't die. We have examples of this. We have bodhisattvas. We have to name one of the famous ones and uh, certainly a, a one that who was closer to this country of where I'm speaking in Britain, namely Count St. Germain, uh, described, I think, by Voltaire as the man who never dies. And he graphically illustrates this by talking about the power to split our arm, head, brains, blood, lymph, and every other aspect of the physical body and rebuild it again, transmute it into much finer body, which can exist on any frequency or level or realm, by the way, that they wish to exist on at will. So it seems that in the past, even at cosmic consciousness or nirvana, it used to be called, the aspirin didn't necessarily have that control. It came later. They'd actually controlled, and this is the fifth freedom, cosmic consciousness, in order to be able to gain that ability of transmutation of matter. But the principle now we can apply earlier of raising matter and thought to a higher vibratory level. That's what we're doing when we're praying. That's what we're doing when we're healing. That's what we're doing when we're thinking about teachings like this. These will raise our consciousness and our vibration to a higher level. And it's possible, uh, of course, that some of those aspirants of old didn't even know prior to that stage that they could do this. But along the way, it became known. Now we know it now. We've been told it now. And that makes an enormous difference to our approach to everything we do. We've got this concept of transmuting matter and this concept, which is crucial to understanding all New Age teaching, actually, the multiple levels of frequency in which we and all the energy of the universe exist. That, too, is contained in this great statement, this great change to the concept of transmutation. But I want to move now to uh, Darren, because uh, I know, Darren, you've got some questions. This is quite mind-blowing stuff, isn't it? Uh, exceptionally and i um you know there's there's all of these revelations i think that are coming out as part of these shows especially this kind of mini theme we're on at the moment exploring this um the staggering historic statements um as you as you've quoted here from the master and i think um you know for me it's really starting to tie together so many different threads that we've been exploring over the last year with the show about um, you know what service really is and how it can be the path to your enlightenment yeah and when you get this what else is there that could, that comes close to it? All the others, pretty well, if they're not service orientated, are geared to us as individuals. Um, but service is all life, all matter, all thought, all people, all life forms being risen, and that's part of our responsibility. And and that's really what the deepest states of meditation tell you, anyway. Indeed. Anyway, Darren, I think you have questions or comments, do you not? I do, and actually, one that I think is right, right on point with the the theme of transmutation that we're talking about here. First of all, I'll say though, always a pleasure to see the comments and questions we get, and especially to hear about your spiritual experiences, all of which I know Rich and I both appreciate being able to share live on the show as an inspiration for all of the other listeners. And if you're hearing this for the first time, or you haven't written to us before, we do warmly invite you to leave a comment or question for Richard to answer, and you can do that via our website, that's ethereus.org, or via email, and that's spiritual freedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Do check out Richard's website as well, by the way, for more info about books he's written, including two with Dr. George King, as well as recent interviews, podcasts, and events that he's presented. 
So onto that question I just hinted at just a moment ago, Richard, I think a good one here about the nature of money. And it's come mm. up kind of, I think, uh, on the previous show, the one before you were talking about and um, what we can do with money. So this person says, if selfless service to man is a part of climbing the nine freedoms to ascension in order to be one with the absolute, how can the desire of making much money be useless in your journey while you're trying to help reduce the suffering of people on terror? Making a lot of money can help one donate to the orphanage, help the needy, pay medical bills with less privilege, organize conferences to spread truth, provide um, help to communities less privileged. Money does all of these things. So then how come the desire for making a lot of money is not necessary in the practice of the nine freedoms to gain ascension? Right. That's a, that's a good question, a thinking question. And this is a show for thinkers because the nine freedoms was delivered for thinkers. We were told that, delivered for the few thinkers. And let's hope few will run into the millions at some point, but still that's relatively few on earth. Um, I, I, it's one of the lessons, Darren, of my life. Uh, I must say, I was I must have had the old views in my psyche, in my samskaras, as they say in the East. And it took me a while to wake up uh, to the fact that money is very important in spiritual work. And there's no doubt about that. It's very, very important in spiritual work. So to take the question specifically and the question was about the desire for money that would come down to motive i suppose to be really accurate about it if you were desiring money so that you could give it away or so that you could fund yourself and literally to just what was necessary to fund yourself in your spiritual work then it's a very good thing. It's a very noble thing. And it, that is an eye-opener. And it departs from the old tradition of, you know, the begging bowl and you mustn't have an attachment to any wealth and you just take what's given to you because then you have no attachment. That's the old approach, probably the transmigration approach. Now are the transmutation. It's a good example for this show, actually, Darren, because tr it's a very good example of transmutation. That yeah. uh, just, just by that act of using it in a spiritual way, and, and this letter gives various examples of charitable ways it can be used, it can also be used to finance spiritual activities. I mean, just to give an example, the missions performed by the Ethereum Society are all non-profit making. They're all loss-making financially uh, to, to thousands of dollars and pounds every year. We lose money by doing them, by having to go into the various areas uh, and perform various tasks. Uh, that's a whole other topic, but people can find out about it on ethereist.org. And it takes money. And we have donors. And if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to do some of the things we do, by the way, I'll go that far, who use their money and their efforts to accrue that money uh, in that way to help fund these types of activities. And if that's why it's being done, then it's transmuting materialism. It's not materialistic. We say this show is not for materialism. It's not. But it's not against or, or denying material things exist because they do. And we need to use them. We need in our missions, we need to use boats. And we used to use buildings and many other material things. And yes, money is a factor in any successful spiritual venture on this level, at least. Uh, I think it's a shame in one way that it is, but that's still a fact of life. And so I would say the questioner is spot on as long as as long as the desire for money is spiritually motivated. And that's quite something to ponder. You have to be sure of that. But if it is and I'll go even further 
you know, people say, well, that person only gave to charity, so they get a knighthood or whatever. I don't think the people suffering uh, in an earthquake who receive the benefit of that charitable donation mind very much whether the person wanted a knighthood or not. In the end, they want to be saved. And if that hmm. money saved them, it'll still have some karmic effect. And I think if you use it in that way, gradually you'll transmute even that motive. If that motive is questionable, if it's questionable, uh, then that too will be transmuted. Yeah, I think that's a great response. I mean, it's, it's a question at the end of the day for all of us. You know, are we deluded it's, by materialism and enslaved by this money or are we demonstrating a mastery over experience, as you've said, and being able to use this for the greater yeah. good of all? I think money and health are two big things we have to factor in if we're going to do spiritual work. They've both been lessons for me personally. I've seen people, I know people, who because they haven't, and they would say they haven't handled their money very well, they are now not able to do the spiritual work they would like to be doing. Mm. So it's, it's, we, we've got to be very practical. And Dr. King was extremely practical about this. And he arrived on, he started his mission actually penniless. But he was a very practical person, and he and he considered it important, and it is important. There's no denying it. It's not a sin. It can be a, a very spiritual act, raising money and donating it. Very spiritual indeed. Well, I think we're now uh, time for our first guest, who I'm very pleased to say, new to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Deborah Littleboy. Deborah is someone with quite an eclectic professional background in banking, travel, mental health advisory, and even Her Majesty's Prison Service, helping with rehabilitation. That's wonderful work, isn't it? Her interests include numerology, tarot, and woodland walks, and she's been a member of the Ethereum Society since 2017, and we're very, very pleased to have her as a member, I must say. So today, she's going to share with us her moment of truth, what we like to call MOT on this show, and it's a spiritual experience she will never forget. So welcome to the show, Deborah. Oh, thank you very much, Richard. Uh, I'd like to just start by giving a little bit of a background um, before my moment of truth, because I want to put it into some sort of context. So before finding the Ethereum Society, I've been an active member of the Maidstone Christian Spiritualist Church. I was part of the healing team and I regularly gave um, healing two, three times a week. And never once did I physically feel or see energy flow, whether I was giving it or receiving it. But actually, it didn't concern me very much because I received an awful lot of positive feedback on my healing. So I sort of assumed that I was doing a good job. And then in 2014, that's when I found the society and I started to study the teachings and join in with the Sunday 12 blessing service because at, at that time it was just on a Sunday. But I continue to be still very, a very active member of the Maidstone Church. I then became increasingly aware of people sharing how they felt and how they could see energy. And I, and I was starting to get a little bit bothered by the fact that I couldn't see or couldn't feel anything. So when I got really despondent, I would remind myself of a Bible um, story where Thomas, one of Jesus's disciples, was unable to believe that Jesus had resurrected until he physically touched the wound in Jesus's side. And Jesus said to him, um, because you've seen me, 
is that why you believe? Um, and then he went on to say, happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. Well, Richard, that suited me. So I sort of adopted that as my badge of honour. <laughs> Actually, it was a badge of ignorance that I was one of these happy ones that I have not seen and yet believe. And of course, with hindsight, I know that I hid behind this statement because I was lazy and I didn't want to put the necessary effort into my practices. So move swiftly on. 2016, I moved home and um, discontinued my association with the Maidstone Church. And I concentrated solely on the theory of society teachings and practices. Um, and then I say out of the blue, because it just seemed that way, joining in with the Sunday 12 blessing service led by Paul Nugent from the Los Angeles temple, I suddenly felt a rush of energy that I thought was going to lift me off my seat. And, and it was unbelievable. Um, and the following week, I tuned in really hungry for more of that same feeling. And I felt nothing. And what that did, it made me up my game, if you want. I really wanted to experience that feeling again, and I made it my primary focus. So I began to practice the breathing exercises and the 12 blessings prayers more diligently. And at the same time, I started to travel up to the London Temple to attend the Sunday Divine Services, Operation Prayer Power and the commemorations. And no surprise, the more I practiced, the better I became at feeling the energies. So here I am five years on practicing every day and I've become attuned enough to always feel the energy flow. So my moment of truth, when I worked the program, the program worked. <laughs> and it's as simple as that, really. Um, and I am so grateful to the teachings given by the masters and our master, Dr. King. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. That's a, a beautiful and very, help, I think, very helpful and revealing moment of truth there from Deborah Littleboy. Thank you, Deborah. And I think something we can relate to because what Deborah's talking about there is experience, not just a leap of faith. And that was the problem of, of so called doubting Thomas, so they say. Well, there's a gospel, actually, there's a so called heretical gospel of, of, of St. Thomas as well. But that's a very interesting story and uh, something I can relate to, and I bet you a lot of our listeners here can relate to, of actually experiencing energy. And it's relate, uh, very relevant to what we're talking about here, which is something real uh, and something we can contact and something which exists on many, many frequencies. So I want to go now to the final extract. Actually, it'll be the final extract we're going to play on the Spiritual Freedom Show this year. And it's the last words of the seventh freedom and it follows on what we played last time uh, as again comes straight after this revelation about creation preservation transmutation and it's mars sector six speaking through dr george king uh, as he delivered the seventh freedom i take this a cosmic wisdom deep into your heart and 
a greater realization will adorn. And when it does, and as it does, walk forward boldly into the seven freedoms I have spoken thus all transmissions now are discontinued and thus endeth as they say the seventh freedom and I wanted to play you that because I checked uh, every freedom and this is the only freedom of all nine which ends with these four simple words and I think they're very significant ones I have spoken thus uh, and I think that relates because it comes just after it to what we've been talking about in the last two shows and, and in this one as this will be the last show on this particular topic of transmutation and it could be taken uh, at face value as an obvious point, but Mars Sector 6 wouldn't waste energy, never waste energy. And we know he's spoken. He didn't need to tell us he's spoken. So why did he say, I have spoken thus? I think it can only be because of the significance of this particular revelation. As I say, he doesn't make a similar statement even at the end of the ninth freedom or any of the others. And we have to remember that Mars Sector 6 is a lord of karma. That means that when he gives a teaching, it isn't just a teaching. It's not just a, a revelation of truth, which would be enough. It is that. But it also means that it becomes law because he's spoken it. If it wasn't true yesterday, it is now. And that's true of this teaching of transmutation. The, 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 a parallel to that could be um, Moses or whoever communicated with Moses known as the Lord God I think he's described as who delivered the laws in those days uh, these are in some ways e greater greater even in their long-term significance and certainly much much more advanced uh, but I say advanced because they are advanced but also accessible that's one of the goals of the spiritual freedom show actually to take these advanced teachings and not just say, well, oh, I'll I don't understand that uh, and to kind of give up. So I'll never understand that. Try to the best of our abilities to glean some meaning and some application for them. And it's very timely that this change to the law was made because it, as I said earlier, it affects so many other concepts which came later. And I'm going to give some examples. And I apologize to those of you who are not familiar with the Ethereum Society. But please know that we will answer any questions you have, number one. And number two, you can find the information through www.ethereus.org. And you'll see, if you're not familiar with it, what I'm talking about. So it even relates, I think, this teaching, this explanation, this philosophy to the greatest event in our history. The greatest event in our history was the initiation of Earth, since the inception of the planet anyway, the greatest, the greatest event on Earth is the initiation of Earth, which took place on July the 8th, 1964, when she received energies. And the energies she received 
are transmuting energies. You see what I mean? We need this concept of transmutation. In fact, that's why she hasn't released, that she, the Mother Earth, most of those energies yet. Because she is giving humanity the chance to evolve before these transmuting energies are released. Because most people wouldn't be able to adjust to that transmutation. A spiritual transmutation, yes, but still a transmutation. And we can see the same principle beyond the earth. Uh, you know the reason, and we often say this, and I do a lot of interviews on UFOs, why we can't see or sometimes detect life uh, on planets like Mars, Venus, and other planets in our solar system, it's not because life isn't there. It's because they vibrate, or the life vibrates, on a higher frequency. It's been transmuted. In fact, there was an event in 1969 called the Initiation of the Solar System. And in that event, and we have some broadcasts on this on another kind of a sister program, you might say, called Ethereus Radio Live. You can find all the details of that on our website, all about the initiation of the solar system. And it was a transmutation of the energy frequencies on certain planets to a higher level. And that's what an initiation is, by the way. It's a transmutation. It's a raising of consciousness. And to raise consciousness, you know, perhaps in the old days, you might try and rise above lower consciousness. Now you've got to rise lower consciousness above itself. It's a, it's a much, much more complete concept. I'm sure you'll agree and that's what happened in the initiation of the solar system. As a side point, by the way, the planets themselves didn't rise because they wished to continue to give service at this level in this solar system and beyond as planets. So there's a great example of the collective as opposed to the individual uh, evolutionary approach. And please forgive me, as I say, if those initiations, you've never heard of them. But please do, if you're interested, look those up and we'll be delighted to steer you in the right direction. But coming down to Earth again, the battle with evil, and there is a battle with evil on this level and below this level. Some people call them the hells. Uh, some people call them the lower astrals. We prefer to call them the lower astrals, but they are lower vibrational levels. And those battles that have taken place are all about transmutation that's the purpose of them actually to transmute evil to raise it to a higher level not to close the door where evil dwells as one theosophical teaching once said and just leave it there and go off there's your classic transmigration but to go in there and transmute it and raise it and you're fighting with spiritual weapons yes you're fighting with truth when you're fighting evil you're fighting with prayer with visualization but these are all weapons in the armory, you might say, of transmutation. So hopefully in this and in the previous two shows, we've have in some way started to mine that, what St. Gullin called that vein of silver, or if you like, truth like gold is where you find it, and many, many thoughts. And this is one of the promises of the nine freedoms. And I'm sure you have your own thoughts, and I hope you'll share those with us, which come from a study of a teaching like this. We've taken uh, this cosmic wisdom, I hope, deeper into our hearts as well as our minds, and a greater realization has dawned. And 
I think the wonderful thing, just to conclude this focus, is that now we're in tune with the path followed on other worlds. They understand, live by and manifest it. That isn't to say they don't have their own great meditations. They have galactic samadhi on certain planets, whatever that is. But they do it to enhance their consciousness so that they can serve the whole more. And if we live by the nine freedoms, we'll be more in tune, if you like, with the spiritual family. And boy, have we been out of tune with the spiritual family in this solar system through the centuries. And this is a step of attunement as well. We leave behind us a path which allowed for our obsession with self to a much greater path which is in tune with the cosmos as a whole. And all that is contained in changing one word. As Dr. King said, about two letters from transmigration to transmutation. So, Vivian, it's now time to welcome her back as our guest. She's led dozens of spiritual workshops, and they are excellent workshops, I must say, teaching the King technique of spiritual healing as well as meditation, mantra. I know various psychic classes such as psychometry and much more. She's also an expert in color healing. She served as educational coordinator at London's Inner Potential Centre, which we used to have here. Today, she's going to lead us in a visualisation and affirmation. She's also a priest, I should say, in her own right in the theorist churches. And this is going to expand our consciousness and help us to manifest our spiritual self. So welcome, Vivian. Hello, and thank you, Richard. And it's great to be here on this wonderful show, especially uh, as it's the last show of this year. Today, I'm going to lead a guided visualization of the night sky, followed by a practice of an affirmation that can help raise our minds above the frenetic business of everyday life to a deepened spiritual awareness. Affirmations are positive statements which, when repeated often enough with belief, can reprogram our subconscious mind to help us make positive changes and break away from old conditioning. We'll begin with some light relaxation. So if you're driving a car while listening to this, best to switch off. You should be seated comfortably with the spine straight and cross your legs, feet flat on the floor, hands loosely resting in your lap. Become aware of your breathing. Breathe in and out through the nose. Allow your breath to become deeper and slower. Direct your attention to your body. How does it feel at this moment? Let your attention travel over your body from your head down. If you notice an area of tension, then let it go. Feel the tension slip away. Relaxation passing gently downwards. Take a deep breath. And as you exhale, let your body relax even more. Pay particular attention to your shoulders. Lower them slightly if needed and let the muscles loosen up. Feel your whole body relaxing as you continue 
with slow, deep breaths. Now, I invite you to take a little journey with me, using your imagination. In your mind's eye, see yourself outdoors in the evening. It's a pleasant, comfortable temperature, and you're in a safe, peaceful place in the countryside, perhaps meadows, hills or mountains, by a lake. Picture yourself in a place where you would enjoy watching the stars at night. It is night time. It's very peaceful. You're enjoying the calm solitude. No sound disturbs the silence. The air around you is still and calm. High above the earth hangs the indigo sky, jeweled thickly with scintillating stars as far as your eye can see. The starry sky is huge, vast. It stretches up in a complete circle around you from every horizon. Then on and on, deeper and deeper into space. Limitless stars. You cannot see where they end. Build up in your mind's eye the infinite vastness of space. Try to feel it. Continue to gaze at this magnificent shimmering blanket of stars against the dark backdrop of night. You feel calm and at peace. You reflect that you are just a small microbe in this massive macrocosm, but an integral part of it. You are a tiny cell in the same whole as all the millions of stars and planets. This is part of the glorious being known as the galaxy, where the Twelve Blessings tells us there are thousands of inhabited worlds. Feel that you are part of this whole. In your heart, you give thanks for this wondrous aspect of God's creation. Now, gently return to the present and take a few deep breaths. I'm going to repeat an affirmation given by Dr. King and invite you to repeat it with me. This affirmation can, among other things, help you to build confidence in your real self, your spiritual self. You can say it out loud or think it, though it's more effective spoken out loud. It's important with an affirmation to believe it and repeat it with complete conviction. So join with me. 
I am the divine presence, which is creating perfection throughout my whole life. I am the divine presence, which is creating perfection throughout my whole life. I am the divine presence, which is creating perfection throughout my whole life. I am the divine presence, which is creating perfection throughout my whole life. I'll just have a short pause here so you can continue a few repetitions on your own. Just finish the affirmation you're on and we'll stop there. Open your eyes and take a deep breath. A final word about practice of this affirmation. You can say it hundreds of times a day or as often as possible. You can also use it as part of a spiritual practice as we've done today. I thank you all for joining me. Thank you very much for joining us, Vivian. Of course, you can tell the experience Vivian has as a workshop leader there, and that's a very helpful, I think, as well as inspiring practice for us all. As I've said before, you can always turn back to these practices and these moments of truth and just listen to those on their own uh, if you want, because, of course, all this is available to you from now on. So thank you, Vivian Gibson. And uh, I must say, that's a wonderful affirmation. It's published in Realize Your Inner Potential uh, and also Contact Your Higher Self Through Yoga, two books that we, we sell. It's one I've used myself. It's been very valuable to me, it's particularly at certain times in, in raising self-confidence and spiritual confidence, I'd rather put it that way. And as, as Vivian said, of course, manifesting this uh, in our lives, which is what this is all about. So thanks again. And that, Darren, brings us to our, our closing questions. But before we go to those, I believe you have a very important announcement to make as a producer of the Spiritual Freedom Show. Oh, that's right, Richard. I'm delighted to say that um, and to share with everyone listening that starting January 1st and in response to uh, the fantastic response we've been getting from so many of you, we're bringing the show to you in an exciting new weekly format. So shorter, 50 minutes or so, featuring a single extract and commentary from Richard with a question of the week um, so that you can make it so that we can make it sorry, even more accessible to people searching for truth and something that uh, you can share with other people too. So do stay in tune, do stay tuned for that. Um, and if you have a moment, of course, and you've been enjoying the show as much as we have uh, uh, been enjoying doing it, do share it with someone so that more people can be inspired by this unique cosmic wisdom. I believe as Dr. King said in the nine freedoms, paraphrasing the ancient mystic Upanishads that the greatest gift that anyone can give to anyone else is wisdom. So it's Christmas. Why not? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And of course, this is something new that we're trying. I'm not going to say for one minute, we won't return to the format we've been doing this year. We're trying, going to try something new as Darren said in, in response. I think there's a lot of people who like to have more regular, shorter uh, things they can take with them. Thoughts, a, a single um, thought as with a, an application, possibly occasionally an exercise, 
and a question of the week to take away. So that's what we're going to try. And uh, we, we hope that'll work for you. And that'll be starting, as Darren said, on January the 1st. But in the meantime, Darren, I think before we close our last show of this year, we have uh, some questions. I'm sure you, you've got something you want to share for, with us. Yeah, I thought I'd kick off actually with this experience that I received from somebody. Always good to share these. Um, and I think one that would be inspiring for others, particularly um, anyone who's um, either just discovered the 12 blessings or they've been practicing for a while. Um, so this person says, I'd love to share this experience that I had in my early days of practicing the 12 blessings. I was in the course of doing the prayers when I got stuck at the beginning of the prayers following the 11th blessing. You know, So I recited the first line of the prayer and I just couldn't recollect the wording of the next few lines. So I went to the table in my prayer room in which there was a copy of the book with the intention of reading it uh, to find out you know, which lines I'd missed. And as I stretched out my hand to pick up the book, I clearly heard a voice inside me saying, the next three lines from the prayer, which I'd forgotten. The voice made no sound, you know, no sound whatsoever. Yet I heard the words of the prayer very clearly, as if they had been recited by a loud voice. And as you can imagine, I continued the practice then with much joy in my heart. That's a lovely, lovely example. And I bet you there's people who can relate to it. I, I, I know that I can actually relate to that. And I think as an explanation, Darren, I'd say there's two possibilities there. One, it was the person's own intuition or, mm. or memory coming through in that way just when they needed it to come through. And so it seemed like a voice, but it actually was their own inner voice. Uh, it wasn't, as the person said, physical. And so, but it just sounded to them to be audible. That can that can happen. And of course, there's always the possibility that it's a guide or a friend on another realm who's joining them in this service, reminding them of these lines. So um, sometimes you don't know which it is. There's, there are ways of finding out, but uh, that's another lecture in itself. But certainly, whichever it was, it worked. And sometimes you don't need to know as long as it works and it happens. That's the main thing. I think, in fact, lots of us get little thoughts pop into our head, which turn out to be really useful, little intuitive guidance. We don't know whether it came from ourselves. We don't know whether sometimes it came from outside of ourselves. But it, either way, it turns out to be helpful. Yeah, I think uh, you've covered this on, on some previous shows, but some very helpful advice um, to anyone who's trying to make that deeper connection with their own intuition um, mm. and ways in which we can practice by, uh, if you know, if it's safe and we can, following that, that still small voice that we hear within uh, to see where it takes us. Yeah. Now, you know, Darren, I'd like to just, if I may, if you don't mind, read something from Dr. King before we finish this show. Please which do. Which was sent to me. I think we've read it before, but it was when he was talking about uh, a particular address. Uh, it was a Sunday morning address many years ago. And in the course of it, he said this, because I think, and it's been sent in to us, because they think it applies to what we're doing here on this show. And this is an exact quote from Dr. King. My friends, if you get hold of some of these messages and dissect them word for word, they give you a greater understanding of the lasting truths of life. They don't fall apart during dissection. They grow during dissection. And if you could ever say that of any message, then that is a true message from a true source. Take hold of some things, dissect it, and it will tumble apart. It means nothing. Take hold of a usual article in the newspaper or something. Bilge. It's not even worth the printer's ink it's written on. When you take it apart sentence for sentence, but get hold of these, you don't tear it apart. You add to your own store of knowledge. It's true. It's true. And I, I'd like to think that uh, that's what we've been doing. 
not only on this, but certainly on the Spiritual Freedom Show, I hope that we've shown that these teachings, particularly perhaps in the last three shows, this one and the two before it, on that one statement, that one word really of transmutation, that you can dissect it and great knowledge, it grows during that dissection and more and more truth and more and more meaning comes forth. And that's actually, from a logical point of view, a proof of the veracity of this particular teaching. Not that we need proof, but it does prove its calibre that we can do that. Yeah, how true indeed. How true indeed. Uh, show uh, These three, three shows definitely, uh, last three episodes, I mean, but certainly the whole show, definitely testimony to exactly what Dr. King has said there. I think more encouragement for us to to all take the time to really study these teachings. I know I was saying a little bit earlier that, you know, this being a part of the show, uh, privilege of being the producer here has been transformational in terms of my understanding of the nine freedoms in the past year. Um, And I know no doubt it's been beneficial to you as well, Richard. Undoubtedly. I've learned tremendously. I want to thank you and our listeners for giving me this chance uh, and the Ethereum Society directors for giving me this chance because I have a far greater understanding of these teachings than I had before we started with the Spiritual Freedom Show. So thank you again to our guests for today, Deborah Littleboy, Vivian Gibson. Thanks always to Darren Ball, who really is the power behind the show, holds it together, puts it together and manages it. And especially thank you to our listeners uh, and for all your wonderful comments. Please keep those coming and please keep those com- those questions coming as challenging as you like. And we'll try and answer them. But let's always remember as we come to the close of this year, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment.